0: So with the dot project, uh, we work with organisations to help them find out what they need and support them with technology solutions. Always with technology as an enabler, not the end solution. Uh, my name is Kat. Uh, my background is in international development, and progressively over the last few years, I've been working in the tech space, which is where I met Annie. Yeah.
1: So my name's Annie, and my background is predominantly in uh, in the kind of commercial tech space, I guess, for 20 years or so, which makes me. Age. I'm going to have to try and make that sound less. Um, but, you know, from, for many years, and I guess more recently, really wanting to kind of shift my focus onto kind of more what I would call meaningful work, which has a kind of real impact. So hence the the kind of involvement with the DOT project. And so the purpose of these podcasts are really to we, we meet so many inspiring people through our day to day work. Um, particularly a lot of women doing amazing work within technology, but also um, you know, leading social enterprises and nonprofits and also in the commercial sector as well. And we just think that every time we have a conversation with someone, there's always something that you learn and an interesting story. And so our podcast is really around sharing those stories and understanding what motivates people and why they do what they do. Enjoy. Hello, this is Annie from The Dot Projects and we're here talking to Lisa Forte today, um, which is really exciting, and it's very nice to have you here with me as well today. And I've already um heard a lot about your story as well. And um, so tell us who you are, a little bit about your business and what you do.
2: So, um, as I was introduced, my name is Lisa Porte, <laughs> um, and I'm one of the partners of Red Goat Cybersecurity. Uh, we're a cybersecurity company that focuses um, more on the human side of cybersecurity. So, we provide GCHQ certified training. We also do um, sort of war gaming so that organizations are as prepared as they can be in case they are attacked. Um, and we focus very heavily on social engineering and uh, building um, a business's independence uh, to deal with their own cybersecurity. Uh, my background was uh, with the uh, police cyber crime unit uh,
1: and that's sort of how i got into to this line of work so there's some interesting terminology there that i'm going to have to ask you about to okay. explain um, so war gaming so because that sounds super fun <laughs> i want to do
2: it it is, is it? it is it's definitely the the product that i enjoy doing the most to be honest <laughs> um essentially what we do is we create a really immersive situation um where we simulate a cyber attack that gets progressively worse for an organization and that organization needs to start making decisions of what they're going to do who they're going to t- talk to notify etc in order to mitigate the damage uh, or you know to stop the attack um and it is designed really to build resilience within the organisation to understand, you know, what everybody's role would be in an attack and how they could limit the damage.
1: And that's for, like, small... Could be a really small organisation or could be government.
2: Yeah, we've run it for everything from very small organisations all the way up to, to government level. So um, depending on how immersive you want it, you know, we've had uh, situations where we've had actors and actresses running around pretending to be journalists. I pointing. so want to
1: be part <laughs> of it. Okay, I can see that the dot project's going to be changing, but anyway, <laughs> um, social engineering, because I started to see quite a lot of this um, kind of phrase, social engineering, and I think actually it's really hard for people to kind of understand what that is and also see it related to cyber, yeah. So what is it just in a in it's, nutshell? It's
2: sort of the, the, the use of manipulation uh, to extract either information or to gain access to a system in some way. So for instance, you know, you might get an email purporting to be from Amazon or it could be a, a phone call where someone claims to be your bank or it could be someone trying to break into your organisation and gain access physically into the organisation. It's just basically the use of manipulation directed at employees of a company in order to to gain access. And I presume
1: that's kind of on the increase. It definitely provides
2: attackers with a much better return on investment, unfortunately, than trying to bypass
1: complicated, sophisticated firewalls. Okay. Um, So you talked about your background as being in the police. And so that's obviously quite different in a way in terms of how you're set up now. So, what inspired you to set up Red Goat Cyber? Um,
2: I was whilst working there, I sort of uh, saw the the kind of mo, if you like, of um, of cyber criminals and how they were working, and I wanted to do something that was really going to uh, affect change and help organisations in a way that would never be possible um, in the police. The police have a very difficult situation, really, when it comes to cybercrime because technically, uh, helping private businesses protect themselves is not within the police's remit and not within their funding remit. So it's it's more about responding to attacks that have happened. Okay. And I really wanted to sort of make a difference and make sort of uh, businesses more more secure as a result, really.
1: Okay, and you your business is your own, isn't it? So it is. Yes, it was your idea. And how many of there are? how many within your organisation? We're quite
2: small at the moment but we have um, quite a few contractors around the world who, uh, who help us out uh, doing uh, projects for companies in all different countries around okay. the world so it's not sort of just limited to, to the UK which is what we sort of thought it would be
1: when we, when yeah, we were yeah, coming yeah, up with true. the idea. Uh, <laughs> and you know I think for me particularly it's really exciting seeing obviously you're a woman in business also women um representing the cyber security sector and you're very public facing so you do quite a lot of um (laughs) talks both nationally and internationally which you know it's really inspiring particularly for me because i find that quite quite difficult i suppose but what (laughs) drives you as a woman in business but also particularly within your sector Because I still, from an outsider's point of view, I still see the cyber um, security sector as very male, kind of dominated. And so I'm wondering kind of where, you know, your passion as a woman in business and how you find that.
2: I think women bring something very different to the table. And my business partner is a a man. And what's quite interesting is the way we view uh, projects, the way we view threats and uh, vulnerabilities that we discover whilst we're working is often completely different. And I think that, you know, understanding the different ways of thinking can really enrich a company across the board and I like you said I speak a lot at conferences and one thing that's that's always the case is that there are predominantly males very few females and yesterday I was at a a conference in London the women of Silicon Roundabout and it was amazing to see the number of women who are actually doing stuff in tech and we need to raise their profile and focus more on those so that people aren't discouraged by you know a male-dominated
1: industry yeah definitely um so I think I know what you're going to say what your kind of greatest achievement um as a woman I think it was well it's quite I left the police which is quite
2: male-dominated um and took the jump not just to go into the private sector but to set up a business (laughs) by myself or pretty much by myself um and that that took a lot of courage definitely, but um so I would say that's probably my my
1: biggest achievement yeah, without a doubt <laughs> well, it's amazing because that's such a big jump into something that's actually very free flowing you know you're you're responsible for driving your business and where it's got to today definitely um, so that's hugely different um so I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about your kind of experience in using in using digital within within your organization or or more kind of from how you learnt and where you were kind of inspired to start engaging with tech? Yeah, so
2: I mean a lot of the things we do are are around sort of defensive and offensive security um, and actually in that kind of area it's um, it's really, really innovative and new products and new software is coming out all the time to help people such as myself um, sort of engage. The, the downside of it is that this software is often free and therefore, also completely accessible to people with less pure intentions okay. to companies, so mm-hmm. it 's kind of a bit of a um, a flip um, which is you know which is great, but then you know, like I was saying yesterday, I was at this conference, and to see some of the things that these other women were coming up with as solutions to problems that i didn 't even really know existed and it was just it was just really, really, really inspiring so when you joined the
1: police, were you Specifically, joining in a tech role. Yes, I was. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, did you study technology? yet I didn't actually.
2: Or... It's quite a strange story, as often things are when it comes to me. Um, but I actually did uh, law, and then did a master's in in maritime law, and then I worked in the anti-piracy industry, collecting intelligence on pirates in Somalia, um, and helping shipping companies. And then from there, I moved into uh, UK counter-terrorism intelligence. And then from there into the police cybercrime unit. So, So, yeah, so I
1: think that's a really interesting journey that actually (laughs) also shows how you can kind of go into a career in a particular, with particular interests, but actually where technology starts to be part of that. And I think, yeah, that's a challenge we're all facing for our kids, I suppose, in the next couple of decades is actually so many roles will involve the use of tech and understanding of tech. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of super interesting. Um, So, in terms, we've talked quite a lot about, women in tech um, and I wanted you to talk about a woman that you admire and why and it could be doesn't have to be anything to do with technology but it could be your somebody in your family or somebody you've met recently or somebody that you quite often think think about that's maybe inspired some of your choices particularly in starting up your own business and kind of that confidence to do that um
2: this is going to probably sound a little bit cheesy but um cheesy's good my grandma well i'm an italian so my nonna uh <laughs> is um is is probably the woman i would say was was hugely inspiring to me she she faced quite a lot of adversity um being an italian person coming to the uk um and you know she suffered from a cleft palate which in the time wow. it, it, during that time was really difficult and her you know to get fixed wasn't like a mainstream kind of procedure like it is now so she actually wrote letters to surgeons around the world asking to see if they would do it for free and you know whatever. she did that
1: herself she did that
2: herself as a young girl with not brilliant english and um got it fixed by herself and then joined the wrens and you know was a hugely independent person and i think that certainly in that time and knowing italian families um that wasn't you know hugely encouraged at the time so I think um, it's quite inspiring to see someone who's you know so so independent um, and and taking control of their lives for themselves regardless of everybody else. Yeah were
1: you close to her?
2: Yeah very close unfortunately she died last year but um, yeah
1: very close indeed. So she it would be amazing um, for her to have experienced at least the start of your journey. Yes, yeah, so that, that I'm hugely proud of what yeah. you're doing as well. Yeah, I'm sure she would have been. Yeah, and also you did mention to me earlier before we started this conversation that like not only do you run your own business and do all of these great things, not just in the UK but internationally, that um, you're going to Antarctica. Antarctic, is it? Yes, year? yes, we are. Okay. We um, just because you haven't got enough to do and you don't fly around. Exactly,
2: anymore. we just wanted to fill so more is, of our time. Is this off.
1: a project? or for a client
2: uh no it's it's not for a client it's um it's a project that we're doing ourselves something we wanted to do so we're going to go and climb the highest mountain in antarctica and then we're going to trek from there to the south pole okay
1: so have you ever been before
2: to the south pole no
1: what (laughs) on earth because this is this is just a small challenge or have you done we've both done quite a lot
2: of mountaineering in our past so we've got quite a lot of experience uh mountaineering around the world um so we're not sort of inexperienced as going there you know hoping for the best um so we decided that's what we definitely wanted to do um and uh, my partner and I also uh getting married as well just to add an extra okay, challenge nice. onto the plate okay. <laughs> so so that's that was the sort of the uh, the goal and then and then we started thinking about how else this could be inspiring or um you know sort of useful to other people so we're working with a couple of Um, inner city schools uh, in both in london and bristol um and we're going to stream hopefully as long as everything goes to plan stream a a live lesson
1: to those kids when we
2: get to the south pole
1: yeah and what's the purpose what impact are you hoping to have on those kids
2: hoping that they're gonna look at it and think that's really inspiring i might want to go and do things like that channeling also certainly from a girl's perspective into the fact that you can be muscly and strong and fit and you don't have to be sort of wafer thin. You can, you know, be a really powerful uh, woman and have loads of sort of muscle and and stuff as well as um, everything else and and just giving them something really immersive that they wouldn't have access to normally.
1: But it's interesting that you're focusing on kind of empowering girls, I suppose, in terms of their physical ability, whereas also what you're doing with your work is inspiring women and uh, sorry girls and and youth into kind of stem careers really by Definitely. doing what you're doing which yeah. is incredible I'm interested to know how I didn't realize you had this kind of mountaineering hobby <laughs> uh, so <laughs> compare climbing to a summit of a mountain somewhere quite extreme to running your own business oh oh my god climb the mountain <laughs> any day <laughs> which leads me nicely on to your Thinking ahead in five years' time, so let's assume that the summit is there in five years' time. The mountain of your business, uh, what's your ambition? I
2: think our ambition is obviously get you know getting our business sort of up and running and established. But also, I think what I'm very mindful of is I, I want to look back and think this was definitely a good decision, and um, I've made this really positive impact. Um, to the communities I live in but also you know worldwide into you know raising this awareness and m- sort of my big thing, my big goal is is to make people feel like they can take control of their security and they don't need to be techie, they don't need to feel overwhelmed yeah. they can really feel independent like they can take charge themselves and they don't need to rely on somebody else to do it.
1: Yeah, And I think that's what's interesting about um, all this kind of conferences I guess that you're speaking at we were talking about this earlier that but... Actually, the area that you're talking about is nobody really is. It's about the, the kind of human aspect of cybersecurity, not only making it easy for people to understand the risks that they may be facing, but actually that it, essentially it's humans that are the cause of cybersecurity risks. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of understanding that ecosystem, isn't it, around it.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, in, in a cyber attack, the, the sort of default response from people is that it's an IT problem but it's not an it problem yeah. it's not just an it problem hr needs to be involved the comms team needs to be involved all of these other people have to have an input in how they're going to handle yeah. this incident and and get things back on
1: track which is why often the cyber responsibility for cyber security seems to, well as far as i've ever seen it seems to be within the it team yeah and it creates an us external and them. <laughs> IT yeah contractor.
2: and you get this us and them mentality within the organization and uh you know it it doesn't it doesn't help and i think if members of staff are feeling like they understand how certain things work or how they might be targeted they're actually helping the it team so actually yeah. it's in so everyone's it's,
1: benefit yeah well, that's amazing thank you for sharing your stories and i <laughs> hadn't discovered gone. about the mountaineering <laughs> so and i think that must be where a lot of your perhaps resilience has either come from or continues to come from is actually that you push yourself i don't know maybe physically as well yeah definitely yeah, definitely mind over matter yeah <laughs> totally that's fantastic thank you very much thank you very much for yeah. having me hi so this is annie and Cap from the dot project and we're reflecting on an amazing interview and chat that we had with Lisa Forte, actually, from Red Goat Cyber. So, Kat, you were with us um, when we were having the meeting, so I wonder what your initial reflections were.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to hear her story from lots of, well, lots of different insights of what she's interested in and how she's got to where she is today. Uh, I suppose what really resonated with me was that um, when she was talking about her own journey to get to where she is now, and kind of how she's come up through the police. That's, it's been a path that she's carved herself, which I think is so often the case, especially for women in tech actually. Um, So it's interesting to hear kind of what inspired her to first of all, kind of join the police, but then also while she was in that role, what she was seeing from her perspective that led her to join uh, Red Goat Cyber. Um, So I guess that idea of, understanding on your journey what it is that you enjoy and what motivates you and just recognizing that and then shaping a career around that is is quite inspiring what did you think yeah
1: yeah well I I mean she set up Red Goat Cyber so I think what's really interesting I guess is is kind of all the way through her career it's it's become more kind of interested in being able to take control of your own um well towards the end of it obviously towards your own destiny towards your own kind of security and her becoming kind of really passionate about making a change in that in that and having having an impact on helping organizations to be able to do that and and I think one of the things that um was particularly interesting with Lisa is the kind of human side of, of cyber and that's a real element of it that she's championing and that's um the key element that's that's part of her kind of speaking publicly in conferences and and things. And I, I mean, we often talk about it in, in technology. I think one of the real issues is actually that some of the language is such a barrier. I mean, even the word cyber must mean that it's like super complicated and you know, no one, no one else must understand what actually goes on. But you know, one of the areas that that Lisa particularly works around is this concept of social engineering, you know, which is, which is essentially about, um, you know, cybercrime through, uh, human uh, interactions basically and being able to kind of um impact an organization in that way
0: and i think the interesting thing that she was talking about was um what she's seen when you bring more women and more diverse voices into the conversation particularly around problem solving in that social engineering place and how important it is that um that sector becomes more diverse because the threats are growing in loads of different ways so the solutions that are needed need to come from different minds and and more creative kind of problem solving which women and more underrepresented groups in tech at the moment can bring to the table
1: yeah i mean i love that i love the fact that actually what she was describing was actually how that her and her business partner how they look at um, vulnerabilities and threats in such a different way and that they're therefore able to have a much bigger view of the problem and potentially the solutions that may be able to be brought to that problem and you know we talk about that quite a lot and how important it is to build you know teams of people on projects and around you that actually think quite differently to you and um, doesn't mean that you don't necessarily get on with them, but I think being able to respect different backgrounds and experiences but also different ways of looking at the same problem and um, I think for me as well um I mean we do quite a lot around that kind of women in tech but also the broader kind of diversity um in technology and i think what comes really strongly through both meeting lisa and also having having our kind of conversation was that how proud she has how proud she has become and how proud she is of sort of being a woman in tech but also being being a strong woman and able to kind of carve out her own destiny i think um Prior to the conversation that we had, we'd, we'd had another one which was kind of looking at how she'd made that shift into her kind of own business. And it wasn't something that was taken lightly, of course, to jump from such a big institution to actually just setting up something on your own. It's like super scary and you have to really take a leap of faith. But um, I think she has such energy and she really is hugely motivated about what she can achieve sort of on her own or in, or in a very small team. Mm. I think it's a real inspiration for other women going into very technical roles.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I think the other thing that came out of the conversation, obviously, was her her passion for mountaineering, which we didn't know about <laughs> that conversation. Really? <laughs> um, and actually, the way that she talked about the physical strength, I, it really kind of struck a note with me, and I'm sure it did with you, particularly around, for me, the confidence that being sporty i suppose and and enjoying team sports especially from a young age um that i credit that a lot to elements of my own confidence um because essentially i think the stronger that you feel physically the stronger that you can be um in many different spaces i think she was really speaking to that when she was talking through her ambitions which are amazing um i think that's an incredible challenge that they're setting themselves but for you know to be so passionate about that I think is is really exciting
1: yeah but I can't I can't quite put my finger on it but there's some there's some real connection I think about building your own um, business or initiative and this kind of idea of mountaineering Mm. and reaching summits because that's kind of what it feels like I have no experience in mountaineering whatsoever but doing the work that you and I do feels like you know we there is a summit and we're constantly finding navigating our way up there and I I wonder how that really actually helps build her own kind of resilience and kind of outlook on how she sets her goals and how she sets her path to yeah. kind of actually get there yeah which is super interesting Worth thinking around a bit more and finding out I think and yeah. um, the other thing I just wanted to ask your view on as well was um when we when I asked her about somebody that had really inspired her she talked about her nonna her kind of grandmother and and in the in the conversations we've had with other people as well, quite often it is a family member. Mm. And I really wonder if actually there's something about these kind of stories or this admiration that people have within a family structure for someone who has really done something differently, mm. or carved out kind of a different, different path. Because quite often when you ask that question, it, it does draw right back to when somebody was almost a child. Yeah. And that kind of very early inspiration.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. When she was talking, I was thinking about my own great-grandmother who... Um, I would have described in quite a similar way how she described her nonna in terms of kind of just being faced with a lot of adversity and and overcoming that and that's a story that I was told not by her um, but by my own granddad and I think often the stories that you hear from your own family like one of the things that I always find really incredible is the idea that you weren't there for a lot of the experiences that they've had and that make them who they are. And yet they, they want their choosing to share certain insights with you because that's what they've learned from their own life. Um, yeah. and the words that they share with you often have a big impact, I suppose, because you, particularly if it's somebody you're inspired by, you, you kind of want to live up to that, not necessarily their expectation, but to make them proud, which I think is, um, quite a special bond that that often comes from a family relationship or at least somebody that you're very close to from a young age
1: yeah I think it's making that I agree with um, making them proud but I think also sometimes it's subliminal I don't think that you're necessarily working to make somebody proud that's been an inspiration to you before in your family it may just be this kind of ingrained attitude towards sort of boundaries I suppose and kind of being able to push yourself a little bit further, because other people have done that, and it being a very accepted culture within a family structure that actually, if you want to do something differently or you really want something, you could try and you know could do it yourself I yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all the people we've spoken to really speak to that, and it's you know it's not specifically um women role models at all, it's mm-hmm. about just somebody that is able to kind of give you that environment that nurtures you to do something differently, and I think particularly in Lisa's case where you know that's a tough path like law yeah <laughs> anti-piracy I'm sure that was like quite a tough environment um and kind of this police cyber crime unit and I think probably just finish this our little conversation by saying I actually uh followed on and went on to one of Lisa's courses uh, social engineering uh GCHQ kind of course and I was really wondering what I'd sign myself up for but it did sound super interesting and um, I thought it would be very very technical at all and it was just amazing actually because she's got this real ability to make something that sounds kind of complicated on the surface it's become so real and I think that's the impact that obviously she's able to have on people that she trains but pe- but organizations and really does make them feel inspired to take control of their own security mm. um, so yeah it's a- just amazing and it'd be exciting to watch their organisation grow i think and we'll make sure we get her back definitely
0: (laughs) it's great to hear the
1: story all right well that's Annie and Kat from the Dot Project and we'll um, look forward to our next podcast as well we've got some exciting people lined up so we'll tune back in soon thank you